Welcome to the Words Over Ice Show. Have a drink, whether glass mug or styrofoam. Get my best up to Ray, he's the right host. And Matt James on the sarcastic tightrope. Then there's Jason, full of opinions. Co-host with brains and the boldest intentions. Ali, that's the man making profits. Greg and Duke join us talking controversial topics. You know it get real in these interviews. We talk about it all when we bring a news. Rolling with the punches, a one-two combo. The Words Over Ice Show. Let's have a convo. All right, today we are welcoming back Chris Molina. We had Chris on uh, in season one. Super cool dude. Happy to have him back on. He's a speaker, a father, and an author. So we're just going to jump right into that, but make sure you're following us on social media, Instagram. It's at the Words Over Ice show, and I hope you guys enjoy it. So Chris, welcome back, man. It's been... uh, I don't know how long it's been, six months, something like that? Yeah, I think I think it's been about five months because I just listened to her old podcast and uh, I think I referenced my, my daughter being three or four months old and she's yeah. eight months old now. So she crawling? Yeah, she is. Uh, she's Well, she's mastered the low crawl. Like she doesn't have her knees underneath her yet. Okay. Um, but uh, no, she's she's definitely moving. I, I, I can leave a room and she'll be, she'll be on the other side of the room by the time I get back. Right. <laughs> Yeah. How have you guys been? Been good, man. Been good. My kid just turned 10 uh, in October, so that's strange. Um, <laughs> 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 it was a good time, though. We threw a party for him. I uh, had all his friends over. I had a like, little sleepover for him. Uh, he had a good time, man. Turn, turning into turning into a little little teenager in front of my eyes. It's crazy. Yeah. That is crazy. Indeed. How about you, Jay? Good man. Uh, same daughter turned eight in August. So we're all on that journey together. You know, <laughs> it's, it's the personalities change overnight and trying to fight that fight of when they go to school, you know, just not thinking about the worst with the world we live in nowadays and things like that. But sure. You know. I mean, I will say one thing that uh, my uh, it sounds like you are pretty involved in in the life of uh, your daughter and the the well-adjusted women that I know in my life always credit their father being in their lives um, pretty often, like driving them to school and doing all that other stuff. So, Oh yeah. I, yeah. Yeah, man. We were kind of, we were kind of just talking about the kind of in a roundabout way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I guess we were <laughs> no, a father's presence in his, it, 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 I'm not, to, not to discredit a father's presence in his son's life, but in his, his daughter's life is it, it's a, it's a role model. It's a guide for what your daughter's going to, see in a man and understand that that's it's like a playbook how you treat your daughter is how she's going to think a man's supposed to treat her so if you're like yelling at her and stuff she's going to think that you know that's normal you know and or if, uh, or if you're disengaged yeah well. if you're not there you know and she's going to go seeking for a man and not understand what to you know look for what qualities are good what are bad without going through bad situations and things and giving them a leg up is a good thing that's all you know and I mean, even if you try, some girls still turn out to be strippers, you know, it is what it is. <laughs> hey man, they're doing good work. I mean, hey, they're getting paid. So That's true. <laughs> let, me, no, let, but... me, let me ask, let me ask you guys this question. <laughs> the subject of strippers. <laughs> oh boy. If, if your daughter, honest, honest truth, no, no judgment here. If your daughter turned out to be a stripper, she came to you when she was older and 24 or whatever, 25, 30, whatever age she was. And you found out she was a stripper. Would you be disappointed? Um, at least for me, um, I would say that, uh, like I'd, I'd want to have the conversation of any, um, occupation that is not a long-term occupation because uh-huh. I don't think you, you can't do that forever. Right. And, uh, I would hope that there would be some end goal and that maybe I was talking to a couple of my friends before and, um, uh, I was driving down to Texas with my buddy that I was in the Marine Corps with. And I was like, you know, is is the male version of becoming a stripper going into construction? Because that's what I see like a lot of my friends do whenever they're like, you know what? I don't have any answers. I need to go do some work. And they just go into construction. And it sounds like the same type of a uh, mindset for um, certain people whenever they go into stripping is the, like, you know what? I'm going to do this for a little while and then um, X, Y, Z. So I don't know if I'd be disappointed, but um, um, I mean, it takes a lot of guts to do that too to like put yourself out there. So I don't know. We'd, we'd probably have a conversation. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I personally, um, that's a no for me, dog. Uh, <laughs> no, uh, you know, if she's grown, 
you know, and I don't even consider like 20 something to be grown because, you know, we're, when we were in our yeah, 20s yeah. and we're looking back at ourselves now, we're like, man, we were still kids. So oh, yeah. uh, to, to what Chris said, it's not a long term <laughs> goal. Like you can't be like, welcome to the stage, Dusty Denise. Like, you know, like, <laughs> you know, she's just old. Celebrating her 60th. Right. <laughs> she got a cane and shit, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Twirling it. But no, all, all jokes aside, it's a. Uh, it's a very interesting uh, situation because I met a few that actually had their shit together and they had other careers and stuff too, you know, but with that said, nah, I don't, I, I'd have a conversation with them and say, do you, do you understand what you're doing to yourself uh, mm-hmm. spiritually? Like your soul, like your, you, you're going to, this is never going to leave you. You're never going to be able to escape yeah. the days that traumatic shit happened, you know, cause they go through a lot. I can imagine. You know, and that's a very, it's kind of, a, it, I think it's pretty dangerous to do that shit because then you get these weird guys that'll start, especially in the I world we live in shit, nowadays, yeah. you can mm-hmm. find people anywhere you want, you know, you can find them easily. So it's like, now you got people stalking you or trying to, you know, find you and do this X, Y, Z. So, I mean, I get the appeal of it. It's a quick buck. You make money. I get it. But I just think there's, I always think there's, there's better ways, right. you know? A bartender or something, you know what I mean? Like exactly. Like to to Chris's point too. Like the construction uh, uh, comparison is very is very real because like in construction you stand around and don't do shit and you only do like three hours, four hours worth of work, just like strippers, you know. So it's, <laughs> yeah. it's kind of the same thing. Like I, every I mean, time I see a construction yep. site, there's like 19 guys just sitting there, one guy shoveling some shit. It's, it's a little, it's a little I mean, bit different. Be really yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, yeah, you're not clapping your ass at the, <laughs> at the, at the construction site. <laughs> Yeah, there's a pole there. I got an idea. The, the, <laughs> now, now, hear me out. The girl, the girl with the slow down or stop sign, could be a stripper. Yeah, no, that, that was, that's yeah what you know. So, hey, there's, you know, a, there's a pole there. Yeah, you can monetize anything, right? <laughs> that would cause accidents. Yeah, it would. <laughs> anyway. Not to not to veer off on a stripper tangent. Um, yeah. Just curious, it's curious because I don't have a daughter, so I'm curious as to what you guys thought. It's funny to me, like when I talk to my son, it's like, "What do you want to be when you get older?" And he's ten, so I kind of take it with a grain of salt. But it's a real thing. Like he's like, "I want to be a YouTuber." Mm-hmm. And in the back of my mind, like we're we're old school, right? So we're from that generation. Like, what the what are you talking yep. about? Like now, right? <laughs> but it's a real like, thing. That's not an actual career. <laughs> but it is now, though. Like people are yeah. making millions of dollars on it. Yep. It actually, like it. I mean, it's not an easy career but there are people making lots of money just from social media so it's to me it's tough for me as a father to kind of distinguish or or kind of support it and and i do i'm like all right but you know what's your i was like that's fine but what's your backup like what else do you want to do um but that's just the world we live in man it's crazy and jay and i were just talking about this before you jumped on chris we're kind of stuck in between uh like old school mind thought and the new way it's Mm -hmm. headed and people i feel are kind of lost in transition yeah, that's a, that's an interesting thing to try to like, I was, I was talking to my wife earlier um, too, a couple of days ago about how we're in a generation that uh, we, we got to see the speed of technology increase um, rapidly mm-hmm. and now we're mm-hmm. in it. And so like, we were the first generation that like our um, elders in our community and our friends and our family, they used to be the ones that you would always look up to for information and guidance about everything because they were so wise, they've been through so much, but now there are so many new things that you can't go to them for everything. And now we're in the middle of that. Like we can see it coming of like, we're going to be outdated in our knowledge and our wisdom soon. So we have to keep up with whatever the new stuff is and try to not be that. So, um, um, closed off mindset of, um, this is what I grew up with. Um, so yeah, it's interesting. Yeah. Do you ever, uh, cause like we have the capability, like you said, we grew up in it as well. We were lucky enough to be like what, 17 18 ish when all this stuff like the internet started blowing mm-hmm. and all that but um isn't it weird sometimes you see the technology mm-hmm. and these these things happening and you're starting to understand you you understand how to you know use them and and work through the system and then it's it kind of like throws a red flag like this is dangerous yeah. like this 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 is like playing god like you can be too many places at once you know it, it's kind of scary to see the world we live in. Like you won't be able, like Ludacris said in the fast and furious, you won't be able to flick a booger without somebody seeing it. You <laughs> yeah, know? No, I, I believe it, man. And it's, it's like, it's a, it's something that's interesting because like being able to keep up with that stuff 
I think we're in the position of as long as we're keeping up with yeah. it and we, 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 we understand the landscape, we don't need to be a hundred percent tech savvy like these kids are. Um, but as long as we can understand what's going on across the board, right. then we should be able to see what's coming in the future to put up those red flags and to let our, our, our individuals know that look up to us. Hey, watch out for mm-hmm. this, watch out for that, because this can be used that way. So at least that's good. That's 90% of why I stay relevant in social media apps and technology and whatnot is just to make sure that I have a understanding of what yeah. she's going to be doing. That's, that's really the only reason it, yeah. I do it. I don't really care. Otherwise, you know, like whatever. Now you got to know what they're getting into, man. And it's, yep. it's, and it's evolving. Like to lose what Chris is saying, it's evolving. I actually, I think, I think we're going to get to a point, which is kind of scary, but honestly, I actually believe this on my heart that we're going to get to a point. Um, have you ever seen the movie Bruce Willis? It's called surrogates. Yep, I just watched it like the last week. It was on TV. Chris, have you ever? Yeah, I think I remember that one. So where, where everyone was just kind of in their house. You got your own avatar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think we're going to get there, man. Honestly, I mean, all this virtual reality is coming. Like, I just took my kid a few weeks ago. There's a virtual reality place here in San Diego. It's an ocean beach. Mm-hmm. Uh, you go in, you put on the the goggles and, uh, the, you know, everything. And it's just virtual. It's super cool. Like, it's really cool. And it's, but that's what we're getting into. And And that's just scratching the surface i mean they have they're gonna have like body suits and all types of shit where you don't need to leave your house you really don't to do anything and you know what i mean it's they're they're creating sex robots and all kinds of shit like you're gonna be able to do whatever the hell you want for seriously i mean you're gonna be able to do whatever you want from the comfort of your own house like you're never gonna have to leave your house you know what's so crazy like all the the convenience that there is that we love like amazon you can just purchase anything from your phone and it's real easy and simple and quick Uh like that also kind of throws a wrench in the safety of what they used to be. Like back when we were kids, if we wanted to like go out and try to get something that being young boys, like we were always like, you have to find a dirty magazine to try yeah. to look on the advertisement pages and be like, man, you know, if I didn't have to have this delivered to my house and have a credit <laughs> card, which I don't have, then yeah. I'd probably try to get this. Uh-huh. But now you can get anything you want at any time mm-hmm. and delivered anywhere. And like, you know exactly where the tracking is and yeah. it's, it's crazy. My sex doll will be here in three <laughs> days. <laughs> yes, I think Bill Burr said it. he was like, and you don't, nobody knows what it is. He's like, I'm going to fuck that doll. And you don't even know that doll's in the box. Like, yo, that's crazy. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's insane to think about those things. It is. Cause this world is just too convenient, man. That's the thing. It's way too convenient. Like you had to ride your bike to go find your friends. Remember, now you just you remember going to the mall. I grew up in Chicago. Yeah. I grew up in, in Chicago Hell in the city. Yeah. I remember if we wanted to go, like the mall was our, you know, that's where you yes. went for fun. And that's where that's kind of was the meetup back in the day, right? It was the mall. Now it's people just have group group text, which is convenient. Yeah. You know, when you're when you have friends like us, Jay, we have a group text. Uh, everyone's yeah. in different states. It's convenient to to keep up with everyone. But I remember being, I don't know, young too, like ten, eleven, right? And and it's kind of crazy now. You talk about a ten or eleven year old jumping on a bus to go somewhere, people, go people lose their shit, right? Like, no way. <laughs> but we, us in the city of Chicago, not a very safe place. <laughs> Lots of things going on. You can end up anywhere. Yeah. There was like nothing. Ten years old, eleven years old. You would, I would go jump on a hop a couple buses to get to the mall, and it would be an all day thing. You'd be gone. There's no phones. I don't even think those pages at the time. So you're gone. Right. There's pay phones here and there, but you literally at that age, you tell your parents, "Hey, I'm leaving. We're going to the mall," and you're gone. And your parents yep. have to trust that they have raised you well enough that yeah, that you're coming back. And well, th- that's the difference. There's there was common sense back then. There's no common sense anymore, man. I t- Why not? Go ahead. Why, uh, why not? Why, oh, why, like, I'm curious uh, to think, uh, what, like, why uh, is it that a thing nowadays? Parenting, people are letting their kids be raised by TV, by iPads, by, you know, all these distractions instead of actually talking to their children and giving them life skills and teaching them how to work with their hands and how to watch people and, you know, just look over your shoulder, keep two eyes in the back of your head. I know we've all heard that expression. Mm-hmm. Nobody says that to their children now. And that's our job because we're the last ones to hear that to do it, you know? to bring, bring back common sense. Like I, I just, when I talk to people, it's like, there's things that just make sense to me that seem like the fucking E equals MC squared to them. Like, like what, that's not that common. Like they're hard to think about, you know, I don't know. That's maybe, I mean, maybe I'm just too hard on everybody else. (laughs) So last time um, uh, we talked a, a bit about like leadership 
or, or parenthood being the pinnacle of leadership, because mm-hmm. that's something that I've said multiple times and mm-hmm. I, I firmly believe. And like, I, I see it being a common thing because, or a common thing to protect your child so much that like you're always hovering, like you're, you, you drive them to the bus stop and you wait there until the bus comes and then you drive there and then you wait until the bus comes back. And then like, you always have eyes on your kids, but, um, to, to raise point, like I was the same way. I, so I grew up in East Chicago, Indiana, and um, like that, it wasn't as big a city as Chicago, but um, they, it was still um, lots of gangs and like dangerous things happening. But once I had my bike and my friends had bikes, the three or four of us would jump on the bikes and drive around the city or ride around the city and then go right. to maybe a city over. And there was never really at the, at the most, my, my mom would be like, Hey, where are you going? And then I would tell her, and then I would just go wherever I, <laughs> right. Yeah. We, we felt like going. And so do you think that doing that amount of coddling nowadays mm-hmm. is hindering the development of children? Because, um, I, I understand why I see it all on my time feed about, so like Amber alert, somebody has been stolen and they're in this type of car, please help or share this. And like, that's kind of scary, but like, are you, hindering your are you kind of are you kind of creating the situation for them to get snatched by not allowing them to i I, experience life like Mm -hmm. when you travel in a pack it's a lot different too like you said to to your point that is all day like you should be able to do that you know like like, if you got like four or five kids rolling around on bikes hey you know that's that's safe honestly in my opinion you know because it's gonna be nobody's really gonna there's too many eyes too many witnesses too many X, Y, Z's, you know, there's too many things to, to factors to keep a kid safe mm-hmm. uh, versus one child just traveling by themselves nowadays. But at the same point, if you're doing your job and you're training your child to understand the world that they live in, I think that things will be okay. I think, I think it hinders the kid for sure. hundred percent. I think, I think people are very sheltered and very, very sensitive today, very sheltered and very sensitive. It's just, you don't, you had to learn life. I mean, and yeah, this shit's scary, man. Like you hear, see Amber alerts and there's always a thought, especially like I've, I've had my son go out on his bike and I, I let him do that. I'm like, go, just go outside, go play. And there's been times where you can't find him for an hour or two. And yeah, you, as a parent, you get nervous. Right. And mm-hmm. the worst thoughts start to kick in, but I tried to, you know, try to push him to the side. He's probably just at a friend's house. So I've, I've felt that nervousness. Um, not obviously not to the degree of a lot of people who have gone through that, but Mm-hmm. It kicks in when you don't know where your kid's at and you can't get a hold of them. But right. at the same time, it's like, if, if you don't let them climb a tree, they'll never know how to climb a tree. You know what I mean? Right. So it's, yeah. You got to let them, you got to let them walk yep. before they run. And, and yeah. You got to let them breathe and you, you got to make sure that you're like Jay said, you got to make sure that you're instilling the principles and, and morals in them and, and the, the know-how to, identify a situation and how to react to a situation. Cause now I mean, I think preventing it also enables it because now if they do see that Curious. situation, they don't, yeah, they don't know what it is or know how to react. And not that you can really like set up a kidnapping situation, right? I don't practice that with my kid. I'm like, not... run, him, roll out, <laughs> run out of the car and snatch him. Like, this is what you do, but <laughs> you can teach them to be aware of those things. And the more you get exposed to life and just outside in general, I think the more, the better off you're going to be. And like, you're going to, you're going to notice those things quicker and, and know how to react as a kid, in my right. opinion. Right. Sure. You know, makes sense. Yeah. You know, and here's the thing is like nowadays we're, we're fortunate enough to have like one way uh, watches that they can check in and call you on, you know, with, mm-hmm. or it, it also tracks them, you know, where they're going. And it's kind of like a cool little device, but then you can let them breathe and go be with their friends and do what they, you know, have, have a childhood actually, you know, because we, we, you know, the one rule that I always had was wherever you're at, check in at least six hours later, you know, just call home and be like, I'm cool. I'm still breathing. I'll be home. You know, obviously the time you always tell me to be home, check in at least once that day. And that's all that you're required to do, you know, but go have fun, go be a kid and just live because, like we all have said, this world is like their kids, they're coddling them and sheltering mm-hmm. them. And I, I just, I see it and I can't do it to, to mine because I, I just put her in positions like, here, go, go do your thing. Like, you know, she's self-sufficient as can be. And she has to be because I, I don't know my clock. I might not be here. So I'm trying to give her everything that I can right sure. now, you know, cause I don't know what days are, you know, days are numbered. We don't know when we're going to go. 
Yeah, she's she's a trip, man. We went <laughs> we went yeah. on this Colorado trip, and that was the first time I actually met her. Um, she's smart, man. So it was, same was, goes for Gavin, man. Yeah, they he, got along real well. They had like the same wavelength, you know. Uh-huh. But it was funny. Chris was sitting there, and she's just talking to me. She's telling me about rocks and shit, like things I don't know. She's like, "Did you yeah. know?" That this type of rock, I'm like, what? <laughs> like, how do, like, how do you know that? Well, I read it. Like, oh. yeah, like, <laughs> with all this information that uh, are the fingertips of like all the kids that are out there, it's mm-hmm. like, man, I, I was talking to my wife and talking about how like we're going to have to like brush up on everything. Well, she had a better ed- elementary and like through elementary through high school education than I did. And so I was like, you know, I'm going to have to relearn or not relearn, learn for the first time, all these things that I never learned before, because I don't want her, my daughter coming to me about asking a question. And I'm like, uh, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Everything's different, man. Even math, they have common core math now, which I heard about that. Like, yeah. yeah it's, it, it, it's so much. It's to me personally, I think that that shit is pointless. It's so unnecessary <laughs> to make it, like why? Oh my god! I don't even want to get into it. But when I look at it, I'm like, okay, you're gonna learn how to do it that way in school, and then I'm gonna show you real math when you get home. Right? Because this stuff they're trying to do, they're making it more difficult for no reason. And I, I talked to the principal about it, and she gave me some uh, explanation. Yeah. PR, you know, I had to mm. say it. The right way. Uh, <laughs> uh, you know, so yeah. The, the common core stuff. Is I mean, hilarious. and then when she grows up to be an adult, she's going to use a calculator like everybody else. else. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, come on, you know, and then just showing her the way we learned how to do math. She just was like, her mind was blown. She was like, oh, wow, this is like so much better, so much easier. That's yeah, man, I, I, I tend to I don't put much and my, and my kid gets good grades, but I don't put much emphasis on on grades. Um, I hear you. I put it more on the effort. You. And well, they do all the testing and shit. That's all they do is yeah. test, test, test. Yeah, and like he got, I think he got like he was all nervous. It was funny. He got like a sixty-five percent in one test. I'm like, what does it tell? I'm like, show me this test. And it's there's a hundred math questions. Yeah, that you have to do in like four minutes. I'm like, what is the <laughs> yep. point of this? Like, I, like why? What is? He's what, like, he's what, like what? I, he got so he's like, I couldn't finish them. I'm like, no shit. Neither could I have. Like, it's, right. Uh, so that's my question. In four minutes, I'm like, what is this teaching you? That's my question is what are you actually, what's the quantitative like result that you're getting out of this? Is it pressure? Is it, is it for them to just memorize these equations and memorize the answers? What, like if that's the case, then they're not really learning. No. And and a test like that is memorization, man. There's no way you can sit down and do a hundred math problems and figure it out one by, there's no way. I'm pretty sure that we could have an entire podcast on education because like (laughs) one thing that uh, I always say is um, like, leadership and uh being financially savvy like learn stuff about credit scores and stuff about real estate that i'm learning now in my 30s because this is the first time i'm owning a home i had learned all that after school and not in any classroom but i know that the mitochondria is the powerhouse of the cell like that's really inf- good information that i learned in school <laughs> right but then it's like, yo, I, just, I know that, but that did not put one dollar in my fucking bank. You know what like, I mean? I've like, used it for a few laughs at, at a couple parties and on this podcast. <laughs> exactly. You know, but it, the school itself, I think that it's a I, I think it's like a, kind of a system to teach them to not question authority and to follow a curriculum. Mm-hmm. Now, don't get me wrong. You do learn and it helps to have an outside source and then it helps, you know, for a parent to step up and do their part too. But, um, yeah, you know, I have my personal opinions on it and the way that I deal with her school and schooling is I'm very, very involved, um, with the teacher. I go and, you know, meet them, talk to them, explain to them. We have the longest conferences and they always turn out to be great. And I'm very involved with the, uh, the principal. We know each other very well. So I kind of like put myself in there to make sure that I cut the bullshit so that, that she's not being forced or to let them know that I'm mm-hmm. paying attention to what they're doing and sending home and teaching her. So they're, so they're very careful of, and watchful of what, you know, is going on. That's the only reason I do it. Let me, let me ask you this, Jay and, and Chris sure. to, to a lesser point, cause your, your, your kid's still young, but Jay, she's your girl's a little older. Do you teach her to be a leader or do you, oh, yeah. do you encourage that? Oh yeah, we would, we just had her uh, her um, parent teacher conference, and that was one of her teacher's main uh, stars. Was Mar will finish 
her work and not only finish it, but finish it properly and correctly, 100%. And then she'll go and help other students without nice. being asked. Yeah. So I had the same so thing. She- we just did the parent teacher thing a week ago, actually. And the only, the only thing she's like, you're she's like, the only <laughs> qualm I have about Gavin is that he talks a lot. I'm like, well, that's not He's a bad a thing. He's trying to help people. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm, not, I'm not mad at that. I'm like, just the of like, what is he saying? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's like, he just, he's like, everything I say, he's got something to say. I'm like, well, he's curious, you know, I'm like, so let him be. But I had, yeah. to, I had a talk, but she said, you know, he's a, he's a leader. Everyone comes to him. So I'm like, that's, I'm happy with that. I yes. can live with him talking too much. You know, I just had a little talk. I'm like, Hey, when she's talking, don't talk over her, those type of things. But I'm not worried about a kid talking too much at 10 years old. Right. I, I think she might be offended because what he's saying makes sense. Maybe he's trying to teach. He's like, that's not actually right. <laughs> yeah, <I> mean, <laughs> <laughs> I could see him saying that. <laughs> well, <laughs> she seems a little stiff, but so same question for you. And I, I'm going somewhere with this, but Chris, when are you going to teach your daughter to be a leader or are you going to get, are you going to kind of push them into that role? Are you going to let them kind of so discover it on? I on definitely, I think the self? best way to teach anybody, um, child or, or, or subordinate or peer, um, about leadership is to set the example. So, um, like, I, I don't know that I'm yep. going to have anything yep. to sit down and just say like, look, this is this, this is that, this is defined as this, but, um, I definitely plan to, um, show through my actions, what leadership is like, what good leadership is. And, that, that, I mean, th- this explanation and that question, I think, kind of goes to one thing that I want to talk about that I didn't talk about last time is that uh, um, a question that I've gotten from people in college whenever I give my talks. So there are some times where I give a talk on college campuses um, about leadership to a group of student leaders. Now, there I have 100 percent of everybody locked in because they want all the information that I'm giving. And then there are some times where I'm talking to a classroom. And as we know, in a classroom, there is always that like 10, 5 percent or sometimes even like 25 percent who doesn't even want to be there and doesn't really even care. And I'm lucky that somebody that uh, didn't really think Mm -hmm. about leadership all the time raised their hand and asked me a question or they didn't raise their hand. They came afterwards because after my talk was done, they came up and asked me the question of, well, what if I don't want to be a leader whenever I graduate and go into the real world? And uh, um, the answer that I have for that is like, so um, I I know we talked about basketball last time a little bit. So whenever we're looking at basketball players and we're looking at athletes and they're drinking some water or they're drinking uh, Powerade and we all know what's happening. Those electrolytes are going in there to help them into their bodies. We don't think that all oh, electrolytes and water, that's only for pro athletes. It's the exact same for leadership. Leadership is a good thing. Having leadership doesn't mean that, oh, as soon as you start using that leadership muscle or, le- or leadership skill that you have, mm-hmm. that right. automatically you're a leader in the leadership role and that Otherwise, you can't use it. It's a good thing to have. And there are individual contributors at all levels in all organizations that do their job and do their job well, and they don't manage anybody. And that's fine because the, the world needs those people. But those people that get to that high level of being an individual contributor, they have solid leadership skills and solid communication skills. So um, I definitely and I, I think I thought of that because I don't I don't want to push my daughter into any anything specific uh, uh, because i don't know what she's going to be i don't want to try to fit a round peg into a square hole so it's i think it's good to provide leadership skills and traits right. and principles but I'm, i don't i don't know that I, I would push her into any of those positions not that that's what you guys asked or that's what you guys explained but that's kind of where my mind went yeah, that's exactly yeah. where i was headed with it and i think I think like it, to be a leader, you can misconstrue. Right? You don't have to lead people. You know, what I mean, you don't have to be a a leader of a pack, but it's kind of just leading your own life and and learning those, learning those, the things that you're teaching, Chris, for your own self doesn't. And, and I think people, when you hear the word leader, it's like, oh, I've got to go talk in front of people and got to do all this, and people don't want to do that. But it doesn't mean you can't be a leader within yourself. You know what I mean? If mm-hmm. that makes sense. Right. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And I think that goes to um, what I one thing that I always talk about um, during my talks is what is leadership? 
because there are all these lofty explanations. And then if you do what most people do and what I do, whenever I want to learn what a thing is, I type it into Google and I press enter. Um, so <laughs> I did that with the word leadership and it'll tell you that it's the, it's the action of leading a group or the action of leading people, which doesn't tell you much anything. But if you want to boil down what leadership actually is, it's influence. And it's uh, all leadership yep. experts yep. agree on that thing. And that doesn't mean only influencing others to your point. You need to be able to influence yourself before you can influence anybody else. Um, so yeah, just leading yourself, having good leadership skills to um, be able to control your mindset is, is, is another really important thing. Yep. Let me ask you guys this. Do you think that everybody wants to be a leader, but some people just don't have the courage? Some people haven't been shown how some people don't believe in themselves, do you, but at, at the core, do you think that everybody has this thought at some point or another where they, they fantasize or would love to be? A I leader? think so. I've, and I think the unfortunate reality is for some of those people that uh, don't want to do it, it's because they tried at a very young age and they were discouraged very quickly. And so right. the, they sense. just naturally think that I don't want to experience that again because I have a bad memory of that. So right. I'm not going to go there anymore. Trump. Trauma. Exactly. Yeah. And then within that self, uh, if you're a natural born or corny, I guess, like kind of cliche saying, you'll try it again and try it again until it works. But sometimes that discouragement could be so traumatic that That's it's true. like, how, I mean, there, there, you know I think that. there are levels of stubbornness with everybody. I expect my daughter to be very stubborn. Yeah. So, um, oh, um, yeah, yeah I, I think there are some people that will continue to try and try again, but, um, and, and I think that might also go to somebody's ego. Like if, if, if they naturally are mm -hmm. going to think very highly of themselves and that they have the best answer or they can help other people and, um, other people need their help, then they'll continuously go back to that. Um, but yeah, it's, it's interesting because I have a lot of these thoughts from what I've seen and what I've observed and what I've read, but going through it, like I'm, I'm interested to see what my thoughts are going to be in 10 years after I've experienced what you guys have experienced with, uh, raising a kid. Yeah. It, it, it's, do you think, it's fun. Do you think there's natural born leaders? No. And actually, um, I, I kind of forgot that we talked about that last time. Um, uh -huh. because, uh, I think Jay mentioned, um, that his thoughts about you and that you were a natural born leader. Mm -hmm. Um, and, um, yeah, I, I'll stand by it. I don't think there are any natural born leaders. I think that, um, if you have somebody that, um, happens to display those leadership traits, um, they've had the opportunity to have examples in their lives and have had experiences in their, their lives that have raised them to be that person that people can see as a leader. But I, I think if you just have like, if, if you have a kid that's born into a household that is very negative and um, doesn't encourage anything and they don't, there are no opportunities to, to lead, then when they get to a certain age, they're not going to be um, looked at as a leader. But there are traits that you can have that might make you a better speaker naturally than somebody else. Right. And I think that is real. But uh, as far as leadership goes, go, goes, I think it's such a complex thing that you have to put so many things together that it, it would, it would be like finding a, a, a watch in the woods and being like, Oh, nature blew all this together. Like, yeah. no, that, that's not a thing that happens. <laughs> Look at my wooden watch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Somebody had to put that together. <laughs> I think experience is a, is a big part of being a proper leader where you mm -hmm. have the experience where you can show people instead of just telling them you can actually show and lead by example. I think it's, it's circumstance and experience. I, I think I've, I think I can call myself a good leader now. Mm. Um, not the best, but I, I think, I think that's how people look at me in, in the workforce and even, even friends look at me as did someone for who need, when they need advice or, you know, to guide them. I think I'm someone that a lot of people come to, but if looking back in it now and dissecting it, I think I was kind of thrust into that position and just circumstance, right? Not that I'm the best athlete in the world, but on my block in Chicago, or like the couple blocks that we played in, right? Mm -hmm. I was one of the better athletes being one of the better athletes. You just kind of stand out and kids kind of gravitate to you. Right. And you just you kind of get respect from people when you're good at something and you get that. And then you, I was instilled with good morals as from my parents. So I took that and I was able to do something positive with it and be kind of a, you know, mentor. A, a, I don't want to say, yeah, kind of a mentor to people rather than being an asshole and letting it go to your head. Right. <laughs> yep. Cause you can very well be taught that way. And there's a lot of people like that. You know, you get all the attention 
and you weren't raised the proper way and you don't, you're in that position where you could be a leader, but you turn into a dickhead and you're <laughs> hurting a lot of people's feelings. Yep. And that happened, that happens all the time. So yeah, I could, and people have said that oh, you're just a natural born leader. And, and to your point, Chris, I don't think it was natural. I think, like you said, I was taught how to be a good person. Mm-hmm. And then just because of the circumstances that I was presented as a young, as a young kid, I was thrust into a position where people were looking up to me and I was able to handle it the right way. And then you just kind of grow and build off of that as you yeah. go. Yeah. You get older. 100%. And I, I think that also kind of goes into what my first chapter is. So I have, I have two chapters in my book. My first two chapters are um, pretty short. Um, it's about 70, 20, 10. And then the second chapter is about limiting beliefs. And then it goes into leadership and then communication. And those two chapters are, are pretty big. Mm-hmm. But uh, the first chapter, 70, 20, 10, um, the 70 2010 blended blended learning model is something that was developed uh, back in the 1990s and like large corporations and, and HR professionals still use it today to help guide development. And uh, basically what that 70 2010 rule says is that whenever you're trying to become better at something, whenever you're trying to develop a skill, that 70% of your development of that skill comes from learning from experiences, 20% comes from um, learning from others, and then 10% comes from uh, formal learning. So to your point about um, experiences that uh, that's important to both of you, what, what both of you were saying that the wow. the data backs that up, that whenever you're trying to become better at something, you have to actually yep. do it. Yep. So only 10% is, is learned. Like it's formal learning. Yep. Formal learning. Yeah. Where wow. like you would, you would memorize things and then take a test and try to pass that test. Yeah. And that's what I say about school now is it's 90% testing. They're not doing like any hands-on like we used to get, you know, it's, yep. and it's so, crazy. Like that's, I, I have to try to tiptoe a little bit whenever I'm speaking on campuses because like those colleges, and, <laughs> exactly. You and will so, not get invited back. What I generally say is that, <laughs> what I generally you, say you, about you that whenever that a student out. raises their hand and smiles and says the same thing. So it's only 10% with formal learning and I say yes. And so my, my next follow-up to that generally is, if educational programs are doing it properly, then the homework that they're giving you, the exams that they're giving you are testing you through experiences. Like they're putting you through the experiences that you would need from that class to remember for the actual real world. Now, nothing can substitute the actual experience of doing the thing or having to recall that for real life experience. But I mean, some, 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 Colleges and some uh, finance or um, educational institutions do it well, but yeah, there's. I, I don't think there's any substitute for the actual experience. I mean, yeah, you could read a book on sex, but if you've never done it, I mean, I, the the example that I always give is um, is uh, like with any type of sport or or accounting or any type of uh, um, a profession like you can you can watch other people do it and that's important to do in your learning but if you don't do it yourself then you're not going to actually know how to do it and the same thing with reading a book you can read a book on something and that might help you when you actually do it but what's going to help you the most is actually doing it and um, the study, I call it learning from experiences. The actual study um, determined that it was learning from challenging experiences, which makes a lot of sense to me, too, because like, if you're just doing something and it's really easy, you're probably not going to learn from it. But if it is challenging, then you're going to you, you, that's going to stick in your mind for a while. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're, we're doing for for my job. I've been going through like some rigorous training the last few months, and it's like two hours a night where you're online, just training, training, and kind of to your point, it's like, it's hard for me to retain that stuff, but we are going like, and we do every few weeks, you go and you do an in-person class where you actually take what you learned and actually do it. That's when I really learn it. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Is is in that class when I'm actually doing it and going through the motions and, you know, clicking here or, or, you know, punching this in and actually not just reading about it. Like you said, mm-hmm. you can read a sex book, but if you don't do <laughs> you're, you're it, do, you're, you're doing, you're doing the process. Like you're actually physically yeah, m- muscle memory. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. And, and it's hard for me to like when I'm doing these trainings and I'm going through them and I'm reading all this stuff, it's hard for me to stay focused. Cause I know that I'm like, man, this is almost a waste of time. Mm-hmm. And I know it's not cause you do retain some of it. Right. And it helps when you get to that, that classroom. Cause you retain like, Oh, now this makes sense. Mm-hmm. 
or now I can put these pieces together, but right. it's hard for me. Like, and I've always been, I think a lot of people are, you're just more hands-on yep. like that experience teaches you something way more valuable than a book. I feel you. Dude. That's ever, the same thing I'm going through with the real mean? estate book. The same thing, all these processes and forms and uh, orders that you have to do. Oh, that's, all you know, that's what I'm saying. And they make it <laughs> and you're right. That's, that's what not, I'm That's garbage, what but, I'm saying. You know, it's like shit, you know, but whatever. But I, I tell people all the time, the people that want to get in my field, and I do a lot of commercial real estate, and it's very, it's intimidating, very intimidating. It was intimidating for me when I got into it, because there's just so much. And you, if you read about it, there's so much that you need mm-hmm. to know. And you're actually digging through financials and reading tax returns, and all of that sounds cumbersome. Right? It's like, oh my God, I have no idea. And I had no clue how to do that. But... I just, I, what I did was I just took some tax returns and, and one, it t- took a weekend out of my life. I uh, bought a six pack of beer, <laughs> <laughs> drinking some beer and literally just went through line by line and read literally like, a, like it was a book, read a tax return mm-hmm. and, and just went through and then, then it starts to make sense to you. And you actually have to like get into it. And I tell everyone, if you want to get into it, man, I'm like, I could teach you that stuff. The stuff I can't teach is the hustle right. and <laughs> the ambition and like that, that I can't I can teach you how to want to make money. <laughs> yeah, okay. I, can't, I can teach you this part of like, don't let this stuff deter you from doing it. Cause it seems hard. Cause this I can teach, but the intangibles, like I can't teach. Have you ever run into like, how do you, how do you even come about that? Like you see someone with so much potential, but they lack maybe drive or ambition or hustle. Like, Man, I, I, you, I've had that question that? too of like there, there was a student that came up to me and said, um, like I, I struggle to wake up in the morning and to like want to do all these things. Like I want to become a better, better leader, but how do you make yourself do it? And man, I, I, I think <laughs> what do you say? Yeah, I think that you asked that question because it's not there's no easy answer. And so like I tried mm-hmm. to give little tips and tricks that I've had in my life, like whenever I would, uh, before I had an eight month old that I had to tiptoe around the house for, um, <laughs> whenever I would wake up in the morning, if I just start that morning off with playing some of my favorite music, man, does that get me in mm-hmm. good mood? Mm-hmm. And it's a, it's a hack that I would learn because I know there are going to be some mornings that I don't want to wake up, but if every morning that I start playing some music that gets me motivated and I get out of bed quickly when my first alarm wakes up or, or, or goes off, then that's going to help me start the day on a good foot. And that helps me be motivated to want to do what I want to do. And then there are other small tips and tricks that you can do to um, try to like increase your testosterone that there've been studies that like they call it a Superman pose. It sounds really corny and really weird, but like if you stand like Superman yeah. does, like with your chest out for 15 minutes in a room just by yourself, then your testosterone, they, they measure it and they, they determine that your testosterone raises a bit from just that. And have you done, have you done that, Chris? Uh, <laughs> no, I, I, I got a good amount of testosterone flowing through me most of the time. So I haven't felt the need to uh, do that, but Shit, I'm doing it right now. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, uh, little things like that and just exercising, like exercising regularly, staying properly hydrated, all those things help you to be your, your, your best self optimally. And I think all of those things help you be naturally who you need to be so that you can be motivated about the things that you need to be motivated about. So there is no one easy answer to like, how do you teach that? Because I don't think you can really, but there are things that you can do to make yourself the best you to put yourself in the best position to um, naturally go to the things that you want to do. Methods. Like to your point of that first alarm, get the fuck up. Cause if you lay there, that day is just going to be regretful. You're not gonna want to. They actually say they actually say if you go back, it's actually makes you even more tired, yeah. right? Like if you wake up, then you you like you snooze, you go to bed for ten more minutes, like you get even more yep. tired yep. doing that. Hundred percent. So and I think so. Um, the that that second chapter of mine, limiting beliefs. Uh, the beginning of that chapter, I actually talk about it that like strong leaders, leaders who are always in leadership positions and are highly successful. They naturally take on their um, limiting beliefs. So I I think maybe that is also something that would help somebody break through that wall of um, not having enough drive or discipline to do something. Because um, I don't know if you guys ever heard of limiting beliefs, but it's exactly what it sounds like. So um, it's a belief that you have uh, um, inside your brain that limits you from doing something. So some common ones that you might hear is, Oh, I'm too young 
to do X, Y, Z, or I'm too old, mm-hmm. or, or that's not something that um, I would be good at. And it's just this belief that's not a truth. It's a belief that you have that stops you from even getting started about something to or getting started to do something that you want to do. And um, like, I think the most powerful way to think about this, because I think sometimes when people talk about limiting beliefs, it kind of sounds wooey, like hand waving and like, Oh, this is some BS that you're talking about that makes people feel good for 10 minutes when you're talking and then nobody ever uses it again. Um, mm-hmm. But if you think about this, think about four layers, like from top to bottom. So at the bottom layer, there are beliefs, then one layer up are thoughts, then one layer up are actions. And then one layer on top of that are outcomes. So belief, thoughts, actions, and outcomes. Your The beliefs that you have in your head feed your action or your thoughts. Sorry. So your beliefs feed your thoughts. Your thoughts feed your actions and your actions feed your outcomes. And I think that's a very easy way to think about it that makes it obvious that if you have limiting beliefs, then you're, you're, you can't even start from go. Like there's no go. You're just stopping because you don't think that you can do whatever it is you want to do. So the outcomes that you have are not the outcomes that you want. And, um, another really easy example about this is, um, I don't know if you guys go to a gym regularly, but, um, in January and February, it's the most annoying because there are so many people in those gyms that Uh are thinking new year, new me, new bod, I'm going to start working out. And then by March, nobody is there anymore. And all the regulars are are back to doing what they're doing. That is a perfect example of people not taking their limiting beliefs seriously, because what they're trying to do in December, like new year's is happening (laughs) and they're thinking, all right, I'm going to change my actions. So I'm going to start going to the gym more because I want a better body. That's somebody trying to change their outcome by changing an action. That's a very Mm -hmm. weak way of trying to change your outcome. If you really want to get to the bottom of it, you have to find what that belief is that's stopping you from going to the gym over and over and over Mm -hmm. because there is something there and it's not an easy answer at all. Finding these limiting beliefs are not easy at all. It's very tough to dig down deep inside and figure out what it is that you have in your mind, that's stopping you from doing what you want to do. But if you change that, then those beliefs are going to change your thoughts. Those thoughts are going to change your actions. And then you're going to get the outcomes that you want. Right. So playing kind of devil's advocate, sure. if, if I'm listening to that as a, I don't have a big issue with that. Like, I, and I think I've trained myself early on. Like I, I wake up at five in the morning, I go to the gym, I play bad. I do all this stuff normally by 8am. So when a lot of people are waking up, I've already done two and a half hours of exercise and activities. And I find that it makes my day that much better because you're energized. You just feel better about yourself. Right. So it gives you a more positive outlook on life. Sure. But going back to what you said, like if, if I'm someone who has trouble waking up at, you know, six or whatever, or going to the gym and I'm listening to you and it makes sense what you're saying to me, mm-hmm. but in my mind, I'm still thinking like, okay, it's easy, easy to say that. And you, it's kind of like saying, you're just saying like, change your belief. Yep. Like, but how, how, and it's not that easy for some people, for some people, yeah, you you can put a thought in your mind, like, I'm going to do that. I'm going to execute it. And that's fine. But for some people it's like, all right, you make it sound really easy, Chris, (laughs) you make it sound very simple. (laughs) But like, if I'm that person, like, how do I do that? How do I change my, like, how do I find out what the root problem is? Like, I don't, it's hard for me to grasp that. I know a lot of people think that, how do you approach that? A hundred percent. And I mean, this, this is something that, um, I've heard stories from people actually finding out what their limiting beliefs are. And it, it's, it's almost a breakdown. They, they break down in front of a mirror. Because um, they they they've thought so, for so long that uh, they've been unattractive, so they're never going to find somebody else, and they they have to find that belief. But I think finding that belief is difficult for everybody. So it, it takes a lot of reflection, and you have to sit down and try to. And, and a lot of that comes from therapy, actually, like either either actual formal therapy or talking with somebody um, and having mm-hmm. that informal therapy session of talking to somebody that really knows you and having an honest conversation about what it is that is not getting you out of bed. For example, is it, is it that like you don't want to succeed? Are you afraid of something? Have you tried it before and you're not seeing results? Do you just need to research more about it to, um, to, to figure out what it is that you don't understand about this? Do you, do you think that, um, you're not, you're not good enough to have the things that you want because there, there are a lot of, uh, uh, confidence issues that people have. Um, so 
I would say that finding that belief is very difficult and there's no way to, there's no one easy way to do it. But I can say that once you do find it and some, some of this is trial and error. I've also heard people talk about it that way, where they thought that they had find found whatever that belief is and they changed it and it only half helped. Like it, it wasn't the total reason why they weren't getting the outcomes that they want, because a lot of this has to deal with like people in sales and they're not reaching the amount of sales they want because they're not doing something. So they're trying to find a belief. And that's, that's more on the professional side. And we've been talking about the personal side a little bit more. Um, but once you do find that belief, there are some steps that you can take. And as corny as it sounds, I think, especially now in the day and age with so much technology, actually writing something down, though, puts power to it. So once you find that belief or let's say you think you found it and you want to try to change it, write down, write that belief down and put uh, it somewhere that you see it all the time. I fully believe in that. That's why they call it spelling. When you write it down, I've, I've seen it happen in my life. I've written things down and it's come true. It's happened because yep. it keeps, it keeps it in the forefront of your mind. And if you can't stop thinking about it, it's going to get done. Yep, absolutely. And once you get to that point where like you, you, you've written down that limiting belief, let's say that like you think I'm too, I'm too old to start going to college or something like that, because that's stopping you from getting what you want to do. Acknowledge after you've written it down and you've read it so much, acknowledge that that's a belief and not a truth because I'm too old to go back to college for that example is not a truth. You're never too old. There are always the the stories that you you can see online of somebody that's 80 or 90 and go, went back to college yeah. to get their degree. And even for me, that was something that I had thought of in the back of my mind when I was in my mid twenties, leaving the Marine Corps and going to college that I'm too old because everybody here is not 18, 19, 20 and I'm 25. And like, I'm going to be in my thirties in five years. And it, you go down this rabbit hole. And so as long as you, are able to acknowledge that that's not a belief or that is a belief and not a truth that also puts some power to it. And then take a 180 on that limiting belief and that, that's write a, down. That, right. That's how I, yeah, I think that's what you were saying. Yeah. That's how I wrote it was what I was going to do, what I wanted. And it came true. Yep. Actually, absolutely. And then just start creating some thoughts. Well, you, it, once you change that belief and you're doing what you just said, then that's changing your thoughts. Next thing you have to do after that, start changing your actions to in align with that enabling truth that you wrote down. That's going to help you get to where you want to be. Mm -hmm. And then that's going to change your outcomes. Yep. And you're right. It, it, it kind of sounds pretty easy whenever you say it quickly and like succinctly yeah, like that. Right. right. <laughs> but I mean, it, that is not a simple thing at all. And that's like, it's a very short chapter in my book, but I think maybe to your point, that's something that maybe I should touch on a little bit more in the future because that can be daunting for somebody. And if, if, if they just see it as somebody saying it very easily, and then it's not easy for them, it might not be a thing that they actually try to do. Have you ever read the book? Um, what's it called? The go-giver. I, I forget who wrote it. It's, it's, so. it's a sales book. It's one of my favorite, but it's a super easy read. I don't know. It's like 120 pages. Um, big font for people who hate reading. Yeah, that's me. So it's, it's <laughs> We've got you set up in mean, third grade, right? <laughs> <laughs> it is probably like fourth or fifth grade like level reading. It's no big words. It's, just, it's a very easy read, but essentially what it is, it's a story of, of uh, I think his name is Joe, the, the character in the book, who's a, a highly effective sales guy. I forget what he sells exactly. Um but he's very, he's one of the best in his company and he's coming up on a, on a deadline where he's got to meet his quota and he's kind of racking his brain and, and he's falling short and he just kind of finds himself in this rat race. Like he's good, but he's never like fulfilled. And he finds himself in, in this, there's this other guy in his office, an older gentleman who kind of just sits back, so always relaxed, kind of comes and goes. And he doesn't really know, like, he's like, how's this guy still working? He doesn't, he's like, he doesn't hustle. He doesn't, he's not on the phone all the time. Um, but the dude's set. So he goes to him and he's like, Hey, you know, he's, do you have any leads? And the guy gives him a card. The card ends up being to some like multimillionaire guy who, uh, who takes Joe in is like, Hey, he's like, if you want to talk to me, there's a system. He's like, it's free, but I'm going to show you how to, how to get true wealth. Right. And essentially not to make, not to tell you the whole book sure. and then to, to, Spoil it for everyone, but essentially what it is is like you have to lose yourself. You've got to stop working for yourself and you have to be a giver, right? So he goes through these five laws of every day he's like, We're gonna have lunch, we're gonna meet somebody. And from each each 
you know, uh, interaction, you're going to learn something different. He's like, there's a law of value. There's a law of, uh, compensation, uh, the law of influence. I think the other one's authenticity. And I forget the fifth one, but essentially it's, it's, it's not about what you're getting. It's what you're giving yeah. to people and how, how authentic you are and how you spread your network and how you make other people feel about themselves is how you're going to bring in true success and wealth and happiness into your life. I thought it's a really good book for people who are in sales and are kind of banging their head against the wall Absolutely. or try, trying to break through. And it's, it's not always about you. Like it's about really, it's the core of the book is like, be a good person. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Do, do well for others because you genuinely want to, to influence them and you want to make them happy. And it's not because of what you're going to get. It's, it's a really good book for anybody who's in sales and I recommend it. Absolutely. And it's, again, it's, I read it on an airplane to Chicago and it's, you know, over an hour. So <laughs> no, yeah. that sounds, that sounds amazing. Um, and I, I think that that kind of goes to like, it's a different way of saying it and it's a different reason. But, um, in the mm-hmm. fifth chapter of my book, I talk about, um, 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 a study that a social psychologist, Susan Fisk had in, um, and out of that research that she had, um, came the stereotype content model. And basically she, um, um, put forth that there are two dimensions um, when in regards to people, whenever they get impressions of you, uh, when they first meet you. And those two dimensions were warmth and competence. And so when Mm -hmm. you're talking about warmth, you're talking about, uh, do I care about your interest? Am I I in it for you to win as well, as opposed to just being in it for me? That's being warm. Right. And then competence, Mm -hmm. obviously, is just being good at your job, being really smart, um, all that type of stuff. And um, what they what they saw was that um, the the more warmth that you have to combine with your competence, the better that you are going to um, succeed at um, interpersonal communication whenever you have to deal with somebody else. And I thought that was really interesting when you combined it with the uh, research that um, another social psychologist had, um, Dr. Alex Todorov, because he did some research and he was researching what he called our um, um, spontaneous trait inferences. And saying that in a different way is the snap judgments that we have about other people. And out of his study came, showed that consistently and reliably people are able to recognize warmth first over competence and they can recognize warmth, um, better. So, um, not only do they see it first, but they're able to identify it better whenever they're meeting or dealing with somebody else. And I I think that kind of goes to what you're saying, um, because the more genuine you are with other people and the more, the more, um, of a servant leader that you are, if we're talking about leadership, then the Mm -hmm. better chance you have at succeeding when you're trying to lead people. Because if you, if, if they know that you care about them, then you're, you already broke down one of those walls and you, you, you're laying a solid foundation of trust. And without a solid foundation of trust, you're not going to get somebody that's a hundred percent all in. Isn't it crazy how you, like in the first, I don't know, I don't know what it is, 15, 30 seconds of meeting somebody, how you just pigeonhole them right away. A hundred percent. Like you, like you, your first impression means so much. And, and, and it's hard, it's hard to overcome. I, mean, Jay, I thought Jason was an asshole. <laughs> well, you right? thought right. It's all good. <laughs> I was going to say you too, Ray. <laughs> <laughs> Our first interaction wasn't great. You know what I mean? But, but obviously he and I, we got to, we got to overcome it. We got to really learn each other, but you hang on to that. Like what you first, and that's why they say, make a good impression, make a good, because people hang on, especially if you don't have the time to get to know that person. Right. <laughs> and you just see that, yeah. You just you just see them in passing or in work. You just see them in meetings. And that first, if they were cold to you or maybe looked you up and down, just did some, not even intentionally. They could be the nicest person, but if they come off that wrong way in those first twenty seconds or whatever it is. That's the image and that's the thought that sticks in your head as your perception of that person. Yep. And, no matter right or wrong, and it's crazy how you, how it's crazy to me how that happens. Yeah, I mean, and how important that is for leadership. And for some reason, um, you when you said that, it just reminded me of the type of um. Um, uh, what is it called? The, what, what we think about people in different parts of our country in America, like mm-hmm. Midwest, yeah. um, hospitality is a thing that people say Southern comfort, like mm-hmm. the Southern hospitality is a thing that people say. And I think it has a lot to do with just that initial, um, 
um, impression that people make because I know down South, anytime I meet somebody from there, it's yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. Um, they're very cordial. And then something that somebody told me that's from California. I met a student from California that was at Purdue university. And she said that, um, like it blew her mind when people would hold the door open for her. I was like, <laughs> what? <laughs> and that's that a small thing that is a first impression that just sets you up for the the rest of that relationship. Yeah, it's funny. And I do that living in California. I'm from Chicago, obviously again. Yeah. Um you those small gestures, like you said, holding a door open or you know, letting a woman in first, like those things, they don't do that much out here. And it's, and it's not that they're being rude. I just think it's a different, it's a different, you know, way that people are brought up a different living. So it's small things like that. They look at me like, Oh, you're very respectful. I'm like, I'm just holding a door, man. You know, it's just not a big deal. (laughs) You don't know the real me. (laughs) I really want to slam this fucker on you right now, but (laughs) I'm going to be polite. No, but it was funny. Like I was, I was talking to a girl, uh, few days ago and she's from Wisconsin and just moved to California and it's just different. She's like, you know, people back home and it's like, you're saying, man, it's different areas and different, like the Midwest hospitality and this is the way people are and her view of everyone. You kind of clump them together, right? Obviously not everyone's the same person, but you clump them together. Like everyone from Chicago in the Midwest, they're very grounded, very down to earth very hardworking forthcoming. Now that's not everybody, but that's kind of the impression you get. <laughs> yep. You come to, you come, you come to uh, SoCal, you get a lot of everyone's, you know, it's, they call it this, the state of the fruits and the nuts, right? Yeah, They call SoCal <laughs> the state of the fruits and the nuts. Cause you got nutty people out here and there's, and, and there's a lot of fruits, um, to, to say it nicely, <laughs> which is fine. No big deal. But, you, like you come and I coming from Chicago, I noticed, and again, it's not everyone, but my first few interactions, you get a, there's a lot of, like a flakiness to these people. Like it's, or just, it's just different. And maybe it's not flaky to them, but to me, it's hey flaky. Man. Like they don't, Let's go surfing, yeah. man. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like my first few meetings out here, I'm like, all right, I'll meet you at three o'clock at this, this coffee place or whatever. Right. And I'm there, I'm Chicago time. I'm there at two fifty, two forty five. Mm-hmm. I'm early. They show up at, 320 you're like no big they just stroll in like no big deal and to me that's rude to them it's just like whatever like they don't care like they're not in a big rush to do anything um when i sat down at a restaurant for the first time chicago you sit down at a restaurant waiters and waitresses are on you like in 10 seconds you know what can i get you can I, you know like they're just on you and then it's just it's just a different they know we won't tip their ass if they don't get the work right away. <laughs> yeah. yeah and out here i sat down and it's like minutes go by i'm like where's who the fuck is everybody? <laughs> and it's just like, there's just nobody's in a rush. And it's, and it's, to me, it's rude. Or like, I had to learn that it's not rich. They just do it differently. You know right. what I mean? Well, I, so, think, I think it's laid back yeah. out there, like way more laid back. Sure. Yeah. It's super laid back. And then that's the thing, like that initial experience. And if you, that's not what you're used to, like my initial thought of California is like, man, people are flaky and lazy, lazy. asses. <laughs> yeah. But it's not the case. It's just, no. they're just more like, once you get to know it and I, and I kind of, you know, got intertwined with it. It's not that they're lazy or flaky. It's just, they're just not in a big rush and they're just laid back. You know, it's just a different way. Well, of they, life, they can, I they guess, can but... afford to enjoy nature and stay outside. Cause it's nice. It's not <laughs> fucking 30 degrees in June. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. I'll be, over there. I'll be in yeah. LA uh, in January. Um, um, the director of the student veteran success center at Purdue and I are speaking at a national conference for student veterans of America. And so oh, cool. I don't know what the weather's like in January in LA, but I'm assuming it's going to be a lot better than oh, in yeah. Indiana. That's a good move for you, man. Congrats on that. <laughs> hey, hey, for the audience, one more time, um, let them know the uh, title of your book and where they can find it. Yeah, sure. Um, the title of the book is I'm in a leadership role. Now what? And, uh, it's the student edition and you can find it on Amazon. You can find it in book Barnes and Nobles. And I'm actually in the process of writing three more books right now. Um, so, um, I'll probably be hitting you guys up again to, uh, talk about those books whenever I'm I'm done with those. Of course. Yeah, man. Love to have you on. It's always a pleasure. Very, uh, very insightful. Um, easy talk you know what i mean just yeah, yeah. yeah i mean when you start talking about strippers from uh the go, <laughs> i mean it's just an easy conversation after that 10 toes in right 
No, they tend we tend to set our shows up for failure right in the beginning. We're like, oh, okay, where do we where do we go from here? Yeah, if we have the data, they probably just all turn off right after minute five. Welcome um, to the episode no. of leadership and strippers. <laughs> no, but uh, it, it's always great to be on. Um, uh, I I really enjoy our conversations, and I enjoy how casual and laid back it is because there are some people that just want to do the question, answer, question, answer, question, answer. And, and, and really uh, like the God, no. you guys that have. doesn't make for a good listen though. Yeah. You know, it's not a conversation. Yeah, It's not, it's no. not, <laughs> you could have just emailed me this shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You might as well write a blog. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, man. Uh, social media. What's your, what's your handle? Um, so you uh, on, on, uh, on Instagram is probably where you'd want to find me if you are into motivation and motivational quotes. Um, so that is C a Molina three. Um, and then every Wednesday you're going to see pictures of my cute little daughter. So, uh, if you were into that, that's also there. And then also feel free to find me on LinkedIn. I also have post, um, leadership things there too. Encourage everyone to go follow you, man. I'm excited about these next books and we'll, uh, we'll get you back on in five months. Absolutely. That what, how long it's been? Yeah. We'll do this every five months. <laughs> Anniversary thing. Thanks. All right, that's it for today. I hope you guys enjoyed the show. Always happy to have Chris on. Really cool dude. Um, make sure you're following us on again social media and it's IG. It's at the Words Over Ice Show. And then if you're if you're listening on iTunes or Stitcher, or Spotify, make sure you're hitting the subscribe button. Uh, that way you catch all the new ones coming out. So that's all we got for you today. We'll uh, we'll catch you next week. <laughs>